This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we were talking earlier on the show about rentals in Vancouver and Metro Vancouver. Rents are sky high. Vacancy rates are low. Lots of online scams out mm-hmm. there that people have to be aware about. And we got some interesting calls on the open line. And you and I, including from some landlords who say, you know, there's another side to the coin if you're a landlord and you get stuck with a nightmare tenant. Which well, I can understand. And now you, you, you were telling me off air, you've rented out your basement there over the Yeah, years. over the years we've rented our, our basement suite out to <clears throat> largely students because they're guaranteed to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're not stuck with a, a, a bad tenant. If you are stuck, they're going to they're gonna go eventually. And we've had generally great success uh, and really great kids, university students basically, yeah. uh, foreign students, yeah. uh, the foreign student program uh, at the, uh, the University of Victoria. Yeah. Uh, we had one problem tenant over those years. We don't rent it. We're not renting it. I've been it for a few years now. But um, we had one problem tenant, and she was a real problem. Uh, but we learned subsequently she had some mental health issues, um, so we had to you know take that into account. But uh, that was a, a bad end to uh, a tenancy there. Would you say that there seems to be a perception, whether it's fair or not, that this government, this NDP government, has tilted the playing field more in the advantage of tenants and less from the landlords, whether on uh, tenant tenancy laws in BC. Oh, for sure. Uh, whether it comes to um, uh, forcing people out, or when it comes to rent increases, yeah. I mean they've 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 kept rent increases. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's been some, you know, I've, again, personal experience, family members going to university, for example, and being, signing three month leases yeah. or four month leases, and then. Um, at least ends in the one will reject the rent up by by hundreds of dollars, and then say, "Well, if you want to live here again, you got to sign another lease." So that stuff, I believe, has been um, uh, halted with legislation. But there was a lot of a lot of dubious um, handiwork by some landlords of of kids going to UBC, which I had personal experience with, who were really shaking these kids down. You know, eight of them living in a tiny place, and the rent kept going up significantly after every four months. Yeah, well, we played the clip of a UBC student earlier on the show who said that she looked at a place that was $900 a month, which obviously great deal in this market, but it was a shared bedroom in a basement along with a shared sort of bathroom and kitchen with a, a ton of other people living upstairs. Yeah, another, so, I mean, you're going to pay 900 bucks a month for that? I, I don't know. Maybe you should snap that up at $900. You know what? I would. <laughs> Quite frankly, you're not going to find $900. Uh, anywhere else. And that's the other thing when we rented our place out. We n- never charged market rate because students can't really afford that. I mean, market rate for a one-bedroom basement suite in Victoria is probably around $2,000. Yeah. How many students can afford that? But right. they can afford seven fifty. No, housing is going to be a big uh, priority for David Eby, and we'll talk about uh, mm-hmm. Eby in a moment here being sworn in tomorrow. But, you know, we're going to talk later on the show, too, about whether there should be, if you can tax your way out of this. We talked on the show earlier this week about whether there should be a, a home equity tax that I don't think any politician is going to touch no. with a 10-foot pole. But the other side of it is, 
do we need more supply? And EB's talked about densification and supply as part he's, of he's, and, you know, He's got some um, legislation coming in next week, two bills. Yeah. One of them is on housing, I understand. It'll be interesting. He's already talked about uh, densification, uh, reaching over municipal, municipality heads when it comes to zoning issues, which is very sensitive. Yeah. But, again, you take a place like Victoria or Oak Bay. Oak Bay has been notorious of blocking housing developments. Victoria, far less so. But do you say to, I live, in, I live in the Fairfield neighborhood, which is a very pristine neighborhood in Victoria. The rage there right now is every, everyone's raising their 1912 houses to put another unit down below. Right. But there's, some of these are fairly large lots. So now will EB allow, uh, with, uh, without municipal approval, uh, for us, me and my wife, or our, our neighbors, to build another house on our lot. Well, four units. He's talked yep. about four units, four units on a single-family lot. And we've looked around the neighborhood and thought, hmm, there's a yep. lot of places that could absorb another two, three, even four. Four might be stretching it a bit, but certainly two or three more units um, to be built on your existing lot. Okay, we'll talk more about that coming up on the show. Let's talk about the stresses and strains on the healthcare system. This was led the news last night on Global. Mm-hmm. Last night, you know, the 10-hour waits for parents, worried parents, bring their sick kids to BC Children's Hospital. You've got a waiting room packed with coughing people, nowhere to sit down. You've got to wait 10 hours to see a doctor. Let's have a listen to Dr. Brian Conway here, Vancouver Centre for Infectious Diseases. The healthcare system is broken. And if we get an increase in strain on the system from respiratory viruses, this is really going to, uh, going to be difficult uh, to deal with. Okay, I think it's difficult to deal with right now. Is the system broken, though, as he described? I don't know if it's broken, but it's certainly under a lot of pressure. And we're not, look at what's going on in Ontario. And we, we also always seem to be lagging behind Ontario by a few weeks, so hopefully that's not the case here. But they are now well over capacity of ICU, people in ICU with respiratory illnesses. We're not there. We're at about 70% capacity when it comes to kids in ICU. Um, but it varies from around the province. And then, and then you lock, quite apart from kids, just the overall pressure on the system, we're now at about 95% capacity of base beds in hospital. We've got 9,202 base beds. Uh, we're almost 100% capacity of that. Now, we've been over capacity. People forget this. Before the pandemic, uh, those were the hallway medicine days when we were That's doing That's when you're stores. on a gurney in the hallway. Exactly. We yeah. were uh, at some days 103% because there's so many people in the hospital, they, there just wasn't enough beds. We also have, and that, that's when the surge beds come into play. So if you're in a hallway, that can be labeled a, a surge bed. Or if we've had stories of people in a closet because the, all the beds are taken. We're approaching that. We we're not there yet. But we are there in some hospitals. Royal Inland Hospital and Kelowna General are basically sold out when it comes to beds. Uh, there's no room there. Um, there's, as of last night, I believe there were 80 beds at um, Royal Columbian available, and I think a similar number at Children's, but Royal Inland and Kelowna really jammed to the rafters right now. Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked about all these pressures yesterday, asked if she would reimpose that mask mandate that some are calling for. She doesn't want to go there, right? No, you, you go back to the very beginning of the pandemic. Public health officers dismissed masks as being uh, useful. Including Bonnie Henry, I, yep. I seem to recall. No, Teresa yeah. Tam, Bonnie Henry, yeah. uh, uh, Dina Hinshaw in Alberta, uh, all of them basically dismissed masks. As, but then they said as they learned more about COVID and how the virus works, they said masks can be effective. So what we're seeing right now is not COVID spreading. COVID numbers are actually down significantly. But what we're seeing is influenza 
and RSV. And that that particular virus has been around before. It's not like it's a new virus. It's just here now in much greater numbers. But the feeling is that when it comes to if you want to ward off the flu, get vaccinated. That's the most effective way to not get the flu. I mean, you do hear some voices calling for this mask mandate. Sonia, first to know, the B.C. Green Party leader yesterday called for this mask mandate to be reimposed. You know, there's always the, there's always that kind of a, a COVID zero type of, you know, coterie saying bring yeah. in a very tough restriction. Particularly associated with schools. There are yeah. some school groups some parents groups who've been there for for a couple of years now have been pushing either close the schools or really think millions of dollars in more ventilation systems or and or have mandatory masks. Let's talk quickly about David Eby. He's being sworn in as premier tomorrow. What time does that happen tomorrow? 10 o'clock, which right. means there will not be our segment tomorrow because right. I'll be covering that live on BC1. We're doing a, a special on BC1 uh, tomorrow for his swearing in. Right. So how, what is the process there? You get sworn in by the left Lieutenant Governor. Governor Janet Austin will be there. He takes the oath. Uh, he gives a little talk. There's going to be a scrum with reporters. There'll be a reception. There's going to be a lot of family and friends there. Yeah. It's not as newsworthy as December 7th. Not because it's the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, but because that's the cabinet swearing. I thought that was December sixth. Oh, uh, maybe I got that wrong. No, December sixth. If you're if in a diff- if you're on the other side of the dateline, oh. it was December sixth. It's oh, okay. December seventh on this side. Oh. But um, it's also the cabinet swearing in day. So that's when we're going to find out right. who's in cabinet, who's not, what changes have been made, and that's a that's a more fun guessing game. And that's the guessing game that's been raging in this legislature for a few weeks now. I've had cabinet ministers and MLAs. All asking me and others, what do you hear? What do you know? And no one knows anything. Evie's keeping his cards close to his vest. He's He's been meeting, and I think he's basically met with every member of the caucus, 15, 20-minute meetings. He's holed up, not today, but for the last few days at a, a, a place just across the street from the legislature where people, that's the transition meeting room, where he's been meeting with MLAs who leave the ledge, walk across the street, have the little session with the boss. He joked yesterday, the one thing he's picked up from all these meetings that everyone wants to be in cabinet. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, what a surprise. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if he expands the size of his cabinet a oh. bit. There's no rule that says he can't. You know, you can, you can take a one-day thrashing from the opposition and say, oh, this is a waste of money. How do you see the matchup between him and Kevin Falcon, the liberal leader, soon to be the leader of the B.C. United Party? I actually saw E.B. yesterday outside the legislature, and I said to him, uh, Hey, uh, BC United is coming to get you. And he said, oh, no. He sort of feigned that like he was worried. But is, is he worried? Is he worried about Falcon? Oh, I don't think he's worried. But yeah. I think he's he's well aware this is not going to be a walkover. Mm-hmm. I think um, Falcon's definitely a step up significantly from Andrew Wilkinson yeah. in terms of a debater or a performer, either on a debate or in the House. Yeah. But Eby's no... Uh, Shrinking violent. He's been around the block a few times. You know, he's and he's been quite effective in the legislature. He's no John Horgan, though. No John Horgan. Right. Um, but Horgan sort of transcended the whole debate thing. Just his whole calm premier dad demeanor type thing. Sort of. I don't know if that EB has that word. Oh no, for. I don't think anybody does. And Falcon <laughs> doesn't either. I mean, Falcon yeah. is Falcon is pushing his party uh, to the right, mm. and that leaves a pretty big opening in the center. And we'll see if if EB pushes his party to the left. Does that counter? sort of counterbalance what what Falcon's doing. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, it's Paul Dries Beat. Phone lines are open. I've got open phone lines right now. If you call right now, you're going to get through. 604-280-9898 is the number. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Noreen in Abbotsford. Hi, Noreen. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Good, thanks. I have a problem, and I guess maybe perhaps I don't understand. I voted twice for John. I'm an NDPer, but I don't think I would have voted for David. So that kind of leaves a bad taste in people's mouths that he kind of just slid in through the back door. Why would you not vote for him? Well, I guess he's done nothing for all the promises he made for the last five years. I mean, he was in charge of housing. I mean, you, th- you think he hasn't? He's failed to deliver on housing, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, classic challenge that he faces. He is not John Horgan. I think Horgan in 2020 election in particular yeah. attracted a swath of voters who had never voted NDP before, right? Particularly in Abbotsford. Yeah, in, yeah, in Chilliwack and in Langley, historic breakthroughs for the NDP in winning up seat, winning um, uh, five seats where they'd never won before. And I think a lot of that is attributable to changing demographics of those places. Langley's changed; it's not the old Langley from ten years ago, um, and so is Chilliwack and Abbotsford. But also, you know, uh, Horgan's personality, yeah, more than his policies, I think, appealed to people. And yeah, I he, think there he was challenges to match that. Right, there was kind of a a crossover appeal that Horgan had that we had not seen in some previous NDP leaders. Like if you took a look at some of the demographic breakdowns of the NDP vote, he got more men mm-hmm. to vote for him in in particular in the last couple of elections, whereas men had tended to skew more to the Liberal, Liberal Party in the yeah. past. And geographically, like I say, Richmond, Chilliwack, yeah. Langley, and Abbotsford, real historic breakthroughs for the NDP. Yeah, yeah. So that's a cha- definitely a challenge for... The challenge is, yeah, the next election is going to be decided, draw a line between Richmond, Langley, and Chilliwack. Whoever wins those seats is going to win the election. Norm and Langley. Hi, Norm. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, I'm hoping EB brings in uh, uh, the densification for for housing. I've got a piece of property uh, in Harrison Mills area, 14 acres, and all I'm allowed is one house. I can't put a coach house in to live in as I build my house. They said, well, too bad, so... Are you uh, in a, the regional district there is, is just uh, uh, full of NIMBYs, you know. Don't build anything. Bananas, right, uh, don't build anything. Uh, is that ALR land or not? No, no. It's zoned residential. Uh, it's actually two titles there. but uh, 14 acres. Uh, I, yep, and all wow. I'm allowed is one house. That's it. Well, no that's a class. That's a classic example probably of what EB's talking about. Yeah. And able to have more densification on that's a very large piece of land. Yeah, you can put some you put more than one more house now, on there. The local councils, I'm not saying Harrison Mills would be one, but there's gonna be some councils pushback for sure. Because right. with more housing comes more parking, comes more services, sewage, for example. Yeah. Uh, schools, pressure on schools. Yeah, that's all pressure on municipalities. Yeah. Um so we'll see how this works. But I think there'll probably be a carrot and stick aspect to this. The, one of the arguments against that kind of densification is, are the points that you just outlined. Oh, it'll be Carmageddon. There'll be too, you won't mm-hmm. have enough parking spaces. There'll be too much pressure on local infrastructure that has not been upgraded. If you suddenly swamp these neighborhoods 
with mm-hmm. new with new residents. Now it's interesting to take a look at a city like Portland, Oregon, where they've done something similar. And I had a guy on the show last week who said, "Yeah, we had similar pushbacks there. They did a similar thing. You could put four to six uh, homes on a single family lot." But he said, "You know, the sky didn't fall, and uh, a lot of and it has been a slow improvement. They just saw a slow a slow increase in housing." Yeah, supply. I don't think you suddenly see this suddenly, um, you know, neighborhoods triple in number of houses. This, this yeah. would be a slow process, but it would increase the supply, but it's not without some um, pushback by municipalities. 